You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, the millennium era blesses us with a brand new interpretation of our favorite metal kaiju. It's 2002's Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. James Bond. Hey, everybody. It's another edition of the Bondzilla podcast, another Godzilla episode of our main timeline for y'all. Uh, I am Nick. I'm Will. And uh, we've got more uh, Godzilla action. We are going to be talking about the fourth film in the millennium era of Godzilla. Um, last time, Nick, uh, Godzilla faced off in the millennium era era. Uh, in a reinvention with old rivals, and this time, once again, Godzilla faces off against, emphasis on the against, uh, with uh, an old foe, an old mechanical terror of Mechagodzilla in the 2002 uh, film Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, or, as they call in Japan, Godzilla X. Mecha Godzilla. Because that's cross. Yeah. That's the, how it's tradition. Like, if you have. Like, no, it's, it's X. Like, you're like, oh, X. It's like Godzilla's going to X this guy. Like, you. Yeah. I mean, but also. You got like, the X. No. Yeah. I'm being, like, serious. You yeah, I'm being serious, too. You X a, you X a guy. Yes. It's not Street Fighter X Tekken, it's Street Fighter Cross Tekken, but there's an X in the title. Right. It's great. What but, if it's Godzilla times Mecha Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> we never. Maybe that's what the hidden Godzilla, message. What is Godzilla <laughs> multiplied by Mechagodzilla? Divided uh, by by the Japanese military, e- right? Um, this movie, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Well, because you get twice the Godzilla. Ah, there you go. You get twice the Godzilla. Yeah. In in in, in a film, which technically in this it, film it does actually happen. Yeah, yeah. It, it does. Uh, spoilers, but yes. Uh, so this is the fourth film in the Millennium Era, uh, directed by returning director Masaki Tezuka. Um, and um, as we uh, get into this, um, it is interesting to note that once again, um, I think I briefly mentioned this in the last episode that the uh, Toho is kind of going through a similar. Uh, very much we're seeing history always repeat itself with Toho always like and uh in this case we we have a era beginning the returns of the era beginning are not as uh potent as uh I think that they uh Toho thought it was so uh they end up maintaining the direction they're going but playing it a little bit safer by uh utilizing some old favorites to bring in that's also a consistency of the ebbs and flows the natural ebbs and flows of both of our franchises because i think godzilla has that kind of realm especially within into the other when they get to their how the hasty kind of goes into we're doing like going back to the basics and going doing a new original monsters and then it immediately it's like that's not working let's go to the heavy hitters right right and bond has a similar thing where it's like there's kind of this ebb and flow of like all right we're getting really high and ridiculous. Okay, now we're going to bring it back down to be serious. But then, like, the movies build up to being 
ridiculous again and then they kind of you know sort of that sort of thing so right yeah definitely but i feel like there's like not the same exact thing but a similar sort of it yeah. kind of flows and in, in no there's of- definitely a reset button to like get people back on board it seems yeah, yeah. Re- going going back to what originally had started this conversation is that toho is uh you know uh mining uh their uh canon and their roster of characters to uh bring back and uh to hopefully ride off the success because as we remember gmk huge success for uh for toho yeah, like it, had, it, it had the name brand yeah it, i mean it, not it's not too different than what ended up happening in again in the hasty era with get that Ghidorah and mothra movie right yeah uh, not that they were in the same movie but those two movies like in comparison to what biolanti in 84 did it was a I mean, one-two punch of success yeah. definitely and then so as we so then we move on in into this film and uh, this is going to be interesting because there's really not too much to talk about in terms of the making uh, of of this film. Um, so I may bring up another subject, but to just kind of get it out of the way. So GMK, as we said, was uh, very successful, and uh, Toho simply wanted to ride that wave. Uh, so they wanted to keep on going in the direction uh, that they had maintained in the Millennium series by um, always doing kind of like a new interpretation or a new reboot of the Godzilla franchise and starting from scratch originally. Uh, uh, Starting from scratch and um, letting the directors like go in like a different direction, so not maintaining a continuity as of yet. Um, so they uh, decided to go in that direction, but also uh, go a little bit backwards, not only in the content but also with who is behind the camera. So they bring back on board um, Masaki Tezuka, who you may remember as the director of Megaguirus. Um and um, that actually makes sense knowing the the visual style. Of yes, this. I think the two movies share a lot in that regard. Well, not only was it uh, Tezuka who came back, but also a lot of the cr- same creative team came well, yeah, back. Yeah, just in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you know his his uh, his composer and his writer they all came back to do the story, and um, it, it's a little bit unclear about where the decision of Mecha Godzilla like came in, but I think it's safe to assume that with the success of adding in Ghidorah and uh, Mothra in the last movie, that it's like, well, let's do another fan favorite with uh, Mechagodzilla. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that it's also that, like, just, like, really, like, in, in general, again, you have this big kaiju canon, but, like, out after, like, after uh, Mothra and Ghidorah, I think Mechagodzilla is, like, the next big name it's why i keep mentioning it's it. true yeah it's like it's really like why i keep mentioning it for like where the monster players could go because it's really the next big name outside of of doing a kong again which obviously they're not you know that that's true yeah because like, if like if they had the rights to kong there's no doubt that they would would have made another kong movie within either the hasty or millennium era it just didn't so yeah they're gonna go right to to, to mechagodzilla yeah the only thing that you could probably like really get people on board for is if it's like you do a cross uh a cross studio uh crossover with Gamera. Right. Yeah. That would be like the only one that you could be like, because all also, right, everybody. Because it's, it's, again, if they, if they're trying to keep this wave of like, we were bringing back popular monsters, because yeah. we've mentioned before that there are lots of monsters in their roster that they could reinvent at this point. But like, if they're, if they're seeing, you know, if they're, if the studio is, is being studio and seeing, okay, we, we had this movie that was finally successful and it had our two most popular other monsters in there. Right. Let's just take the next one down. I do wonder. I have to look up like studio, like more specifics about studio politics in Japan. But I, I do wonder if in my lifetime I'll ever see a Godzilla Gamera crossover. 
It would be an interesting like thing, right? Um, yeah. It just depends because like, what's going on with Gamera right now? Is there like any movement? On N- uh, not really. I mean, like the the big Gamera is kind of in that space where it is kind of like what's happening with it yeah. because there was a movie going to come out like um, yeah. that was going to kind of be like the big modern uh, yeah, they, Japanese they, reboot, but it, it just Shin, like a Shin Gamera essentially. Kind of, yeah. Um, but um. It just it. My understanding of it is that it just never. I came think to it's fruition. one of those things where it's crazy enough because, like, I do think that there is the element of like, you know, more so in there is an element of crossover history within Japan. Yeah. But maybe I don't know it from the film perspective. More right. like like anime and video games, especially, have that more crossover, uh, you know, way of life. I also don't know quite like the behind the scenes legacy of Gamera nearly as well as I do Godzilla. Right, so it's yeah. like if I knew maybe a little like, bit you know, about it, that. It's probably yeah. like the next major like non-Toho monster but also it's like how big is that well, to it's, an extent. It's a non-Toho monster and it's a non-Toho monster that I think a lot of fans would go to bat for to take the stance that like the Gamera films at least in the Heisei era have been like the best of the kaiju films. Yeah. So it's like uh, but regardless, I do think that would be one of those things where, because you're right, because bringing it back to this, Mechagodzilla is really the only other creature that has, I would say, any marquee value. Because right, again, like you could do, like you 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 have the two options here. You either go with well, like another surefire thing, or you again go to the risk of like re like doing what Mechagodzilla two did, which is like. You know, obviously putting Mechagodzilla, but also reinventing Rodan. Right, yeah. And, like, really, like, there's only a few monsters, I think, in the way that they want to make these movies. Like, the, again, the only other monsters you could reinvent are, like, Anguirus and Gigan, which I don't think they want to do, especially since they just rejected Anguirus for the previous movie. Yeah, yeah. Though, if uh, Just the basic Godzilla versus Gigan. Like, if you announce that movie, if they announced that movie today, I'd be like... Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me now. I, I think that's like one I would want to see. Yeah, that's one I would want to see. Um, so, um, so they turned to uh Tezuka to um uh from Megaguirus t- uh to bring this film to life, and uh they decided on Mechagodzilla being the uh the foe that Godzilla would go up against. Um, and uh, this time around, the alien origins were completely abandoned. Um, favoring the human origins, but even those would be completely revamped, as we'll talk right. about in the movie itself. And but- I also, th- I do, by the way, um, I also think that Mechagodzilla, throughout its history, even within the first like two, which are more direct sequels, but still alter like the alien characters enough where they are kind of different in some ways. Yes, I think what's what I think what's appealing for a creator and a studio about a Mechagodzilla is that. There's really no limits in the way you can reinvent it. I feel like because it's we've already established, you know, because the first two movies were aliens and the Mechagodzilla two was again a human creation. So yeah. they've already kind of done different things with it. But based off of remember, based off of future technology, based off yeah. of future technology, yes. Um, whereas because like, remember there was time travel in the AC series. There, yes, no, I, I I remember. Which is like if I was Miki, I'd be talking about that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like like I think that's an appealing aspect right, of Mechagodzilla absolutely. is that like you have like this base form that people will recognize, but then I, the the fandom, if there is that fandom that cares, probably would not you know fault you for doing something different. Well, you know, because there's not too much to talk about the movie itself, I, I do think we can briefly talk about the legacy of Mechagodzilla because I think with this movie, even though spoiler alert, we have one more movie coming up, but I think with this movie, we have kind of. Um, uh, 
we've kind of like run full circle, come full circle on like all the different types on the, of- all the different types of Mecha Godzilla. So now after seeing the Mecha Godzilla, it's just like what would you say is like kind of like the the legacy of Mecha Godzilla that has led us up to this point. I mean, now. and this is like kind of spoilers to like where I feel in this movie, but I I would say that Mecha Godzilla is like my favorite, like kaiju, like kaiju outside of Godzilla, because uh-huh. like. I was looking at my list, and we'll talk about where this falls when we get to, like, the actual review. The right, movie. right, right. But, like, I think, like, because really, like, my – I mean, it's, like, there, it is hard because you have that basically quad of, like, the, the great kaiju characters of, of Godzilla, which is Godzilla, Mothra, Ghidorah, and, um, you know uh, – uh, Mega Godzilla, Mega Godzilla, yeah. and like with with the ones that have multiple movies and the legacy, obviously there are other. It is, but have. it is interesting. It's like because you say like if you put up like would Mecha Godzilla, but Mecha Godzilla, I don't think would go up on the Mount Rushmore though. Like it would be like Mount Rushmore is who? It's five, five. It's four. It's four. It's so so it, it, so it, it really is. I think. Well, I don't know. Is it's Godzilla? This is a good. This is a good actually deep dive episode. But I would say off the bat, Godzilla, Mothra, Ghidorah. But Ghidorah has three heads. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, but like, do you, you try to force them yeah, all into one head? <laughs> yeah, I think you, you go with the main head. Yeah. Okay. Ghidorah. So it's Godzilla, Ghidorah, Mothra, and see, I would put like, who else are you gonna put up I there? I think it may be Rodan though, like, because Rodan mm, has had his own movie. Yeah, and I guess. Like, I don't know that that fourth spot though. You could make a good. I don't know, but see, I don't agree. I don't know if you make a case for. Mecha Godzilla, even though I think, as you're well, right, I, I think he's the character that has a very distinct legacy of Showa, Hasey, and Millennium. And here's my thing about Mecha Godzilla, was about to say, is that. And even like, American in a Here's certain... the thing about, like, I really like Ghidorah, but Ghidorah's also been in some stinkers. Yeah. I really like Mothra, but that 64 Mothra movie can Oof. be kind of rough sometimes. Oof. Yeah. Whereas, in generally speaking, so far, and I have, I, yes, again, we have one more to see at least, uh, Mechagodzilla wise. But like the 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 group of Mechagodzilla movies is mm-hmm. very solid because mm-hmm. the first one is awesome, still in my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, Terror is fine. But Terror is a step down. Terror is a step down, but I still think there's enough. The, with, the monster action in the Mecha Godzilla action is really cool in, in that movie, yeah. and there is like some of the absurdity of like the cyborg plotline, mm-hmm. just overall movie turn. Um, I really do like um, the action again in uh, Mecha Godzilla Two, yeah, with Rodan and Mecha Godzilla and Godzilla. I think they all work really well, and then I think this movie also has that great action. I think what really works about Mecha Godzilla from all that legacy is because of this robotic nature. Generally, those fights are a little bit more higher firepower and a little bit of a quicker pace mm. than sometimes you see. Because I think Mothra has that quicker pace a lot of times too, which right. I think helps there. But Ghidorah tends to be, especially in you know those early movies where they're really kind of struggling with the costume and like making that work. Right. There's only so much you can do with that, um, and it really works in in Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, and it kind of works in Destroy All Monsters. Um, but like kind of some of the flaw in, in the Ghidorah 91, but some of the flaws of stuff like Gigan and GMK is just like kind of mm-hmm. what you don't do with the, with the Ghidorah action. And there's also a reason that we've said that like the CG version of Ghidorah is like the ultimate version of that creature. Right. You can finally do all the stuff with the heads and, 
and that big body that you can't. But I do think what the Mechagodzilla series of films have is a consistently great amount of action. Mm-hmm. Where if what other the other faults of those movies are story wise, if you want to say those, I think that Mechagodzilla is just always been awesome with its action and an awesome opponent for Godzilla. Because yes, it is Godzilla essentially facing off about himself, but then you also like the thing about that first Mechagodzilla movie, especially. Is just the amount of firepower, the amount of tricks that Mechagodzilla has yeah. up its sleeve. You're you're just always there, and I kind of felt that with this movie too, where, you know, you just kind of were getting more and more stuff coming out of Mechagodzilla, and it just made makes those fights so fun. And yeah. it's just and throughout the entire series of Mechagodzilla movies, it's just like I always respond so positively to the Mechagodzilla character. Yeah, it's also like the one thing where it's like I said, it's a rep- he is represented in all three of the major eras but has had an evolution in each one. Whereas even though there may be slight differences, like like Ghidorah has a different origin in the Heisei era than he does in the Showa era, or, but it, it is kind of like, it's Ghidorah. It's the three-headed dragon. He does the same shit yeah. every time. Mm-hmm. Whereas I do feel like the Showa era, the Heisei era, and the Millennium era all have a distinct Mechagodzilla. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the freedoms that you have with a Mechagodzilla is that you have the freedom to design him in whatever kind of robot way that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a little bit of the freedom with that that I think works out. Um, and I think that uh, the best part of the legacy as we get into this movie is that it's the one character that's actually had an evolution over the course of like the three uh, eras. Because when you think about it, it started out as a completely villainous uh, kaiju. Um, and then, um, whereas, and then it be, became, uh, more, more so of a tool, uh, because even though I like, I, I really do like that Mechagodzilla movie, but I actually don't love the Mechagodzilla in it, uh, in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and then eventually we get to this one and that comes down to the actual name of this Godzilla. So let's talk briefly about this Mechagodzilla because we always have to talk about the new monsters, Nick. And in this one, our new monster is... Mechagodzilla, some some fans call it Mechagodzilla 3. Its technical name is the Mechagodzilla MFS3, the multi-purpose fighting system type 3. Uh, 3 being this is like the third incarnation of uh, Mechagodzilla. But the ultimate name, Nick, as much as we like to call him Mechagodzilla, the name of this uh, t- uh, t- uh, technological behemoth is Kiryu, mm-hmm. which stands for Machine Dragon. What? what? It means machine. Me, me, sorry, means machine. Dragon. Yeah, it's not like yeah. an actor. I just start saying that, like it's like, oh, you know, like uh, amigo stands for friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kiryu. But yeah, Kiryu. So that we are introduced to our new Mechagodzilla in the form of Kiryu, which I have to be honest, when uh, this was, this was in the whole Millennium era, as I've said many times, was the first time that I was really diving deep into. Because uh, remember when you start like going to the when you start. Do you remember the first time you really started discovering movies like at Hollywood Video or Blockbuster? Like you were starting to like, yeah, yeah. But no, but it's like kind of like you always gone and got what you wanted. Yeah. But but there was a time when you started kind of like exploring a little bit, which is where a lot of my Godzilla watching came from. And once I got more into Godzilla, it's like, oh, they they they've been making movies yeah, recently, I, uh, and I started discovering yeah. them through the more thing. so. I did that with video games. Uh, oh, very fair but, point. But with movies, but I, I get the sentiment. Yeah. So. 
with this one, I remember getting the DVD and watching this Mega Godzilla, and I was one of those people where I was just like, "What, Kiryu? What kind of? No, it's Mega Godzilla." But I've actually kind of like in 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 this kind of looking at it from this form of this character and the legacy of it has evolved, and you definitely want to because all the Godzillas have different names. Like some people call them Mega Godzilla one, two, and three. I think a lot of people call it Mechagodzilla. The first one is just Mechagodzilla. Then they call the next one in Mechagodzilla 2 Super Mechagodzilla. Uh, and this one they call Kiryu. Right. Um, so, and then so we, get to, so we uh, get to this one. But with a new Mechagodzilla comes a new Mechagodzilla design. Uh, Nick, what did we think about this one? I mean, it's really, you can't really describe a Mechagodzilla a little bit because it just looks like I a mean, Mechagodzilla. It is, the thing is, like, it's essentially. The it's very similar to like the previous two. It's not like like too out there in terms of it's a robotic Godzilla. Yeah, it does have a aesthetically though it is its own. It's, oh no, it's, it's, its, own, its own thing. Yeah, uh, the main body I would say is is somewhat similar to kind of what you would imagine the Mechagodzilla form is. Right. Um, but it also has kind of a more a bluish jetpack um to it. Yes, it does. It has that thing, yeah. As yeah. opposed to cuz the other mecha godzillas have just more jetpacks in line with their more kind of called silver. Yeah, and remember the super mecha godzilla had the Garuda who the uh, the the ship yeah. that yes. went onto its back, yeah. Um but uh I I really liked the, just how the design came out, yeah. um especially like how the movement of the suit was. Again, uh I think they did a great job in portraying kind of the 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 way that you would want to portray a Mechagodzilla. I mean, it has, again, with this movie, it, it does have kind of, it's more similar to the kind of, in, the the firepower of that original Mechagodzilla than, than the, the Mechagodzilla 2 one, I feel like. Yeah. It kind of has a lot more tricks up its sleeve yeah. uh, than the Mechagodzilla 2 one was. I think the first Mechagodzilla is my favorite, but yeah. I, would, I would put this like right next to that one. I, I would almost put it next to that, but I almost, there's one distinct aspect of this one that puts it on top for me because this is my favorite Mechagodzilla design. I, I mean, I, I won't, think. I mean, it's like basically, like, I would honestly say I, I do put that first one up like at the top. Yeah. But it's essentially like kind of like real close. It's, well, like, what, it's like they're like right next to it. What makes other. it hard for me is because there's that retro element of the original Mechagodzilla that's always going to be favorable. But honestly, like the biggest thing about this one is the tail. Like I just love the that tail, this Mecha Godzilla the, has like a long tail. Yeah, because that, yeah. that's really that is something really cool. Yeah, and it's just like a, it. I have to be honest. Like the, it's a cool looking robot, and it's like very much like because the big thing with the Mecha Godzilla two was that it felt like very stiff and it had like a dumb look on its face. Yeah, and like where this one kind of looks like it can come up and start brawling you. Like this I mean, kind of yeah. looks a little bit more like a functional like robot that you would you yeah, would fight a it, monster with. Because also it's like it's it's got to point out too that I do enjoy. Mechagodzilla two in general, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's it's definitely the worst, like the my least favorite of the designs, but I'm mm-hmm. still unfavorable towards yeah. it because Mechagodzilla. It's awesome. It's also, I, I own the SH yeah. Monster Arts of all three of the yeah. Mechagodzillas, um, but I will say that again, it's a movie where Mechagodzilla is outshone. It's, yeah, that's that's Rodan's movie through and through. Right. And again, it's just like what's great about both of these other Mechagodzilla movies is I think that Mechagodzilla really stands out. Yeah. As as a great element of the movie, especially in the first one. Um, and it's, it's still a highlight of terror, and I still think that it's um, a, a really big highlight of this movie. And I, I would also say that this is the first time a Mechagodzilla has felt like a character 
since may or the closest thing to a character since maybe the first mecha godzilla appearance Mm -hmm. because mecha godzilla is kind of weird because in that first one it was kind of trouncing around as the fake godzilla so by the time it like comes out as like you just kind of got a little bit of like the monster personality from it you get that brutality and again that distinction because in that movie again it's a that first mecha godzilla movie it's godzilla is still kind of the hero figure within the Showa era, yeah. And then like the fact that that you know the fake Godzilla, the the, the you know the Mecha Godzilla disguises Godzilla brutally beats Anguirus right, like right, an inch of its life, and then the character's like, well, that's weird to Godzilla, yeah. Like, why would Godzilla do that? And then when it's revealed, it just already adds that layer of the brutality, mm. um, when it is a more straight up villain. Because also in this one, our Kiryu, yeah, um, is once again a a uh, weapon of you know a Godzilla defense force, mm-hmm. uh, and once again is a piloted creature, right? Uh, whereas you know the first, the original ter- the original Mecha Godzilla is kind of more of its own thinking robot. In, in kind essence. of yeah, yeah. That, but takes still takes radio commands and takes everything. radio commands. But, but the thing is, like by terror, then it really is you you do even though it's still cool, it still is it now the jig is up and it just feels like like a tool. Yeah, and then the because well, that's I think the cool thing about that. I like the, whether or not like the specific details that first Mechagodzilla movie does feel like that Mechagodzilla has autonomy. Yeah, where like again, like he's getting re- re- commands from the 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 Planet of the Apes aliens. But, like, you still feel that there's, like, oh, like, he's kind of knowing, and then when he rips the head off, that's the whole stick. Well, Where it's, like, because the whole plot of terror is, like, possession of monsters and controlling stuff and, and stuff. And I still, like, appreciate the Mechagodzilla use in that movie. But I do find that that first one is so interesting in the way that it feels like, you know, it does have its own personality. Well, I, but I do feel like you're right in yeah. with all the different layers of the plot and how this is how Kiryu is built and how it functions within the movie and the story, it does feel like there's a little bit of a character to it that relates to it, like it's it's human pilots. Did you did you see Real Steel, the Hugh Jackman movie? Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. I've watched it with you. Good good movie. Good good movie. Solid stuff. Yeah, robot over the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the reason I brought that up is like because that's a movie that ultimately they they don't they really don't uh they don't hide the fact that the robot is just a robot it's not like a like a john like a johnny five situation it's not, it's not a, a chappy yeah no it's not a chappy but it's like but that movie does get you on board with like rooting for or accepting the robot as the cast of as part of the cast of characters yeah. and i think that what we found is that the power of a mecha godzilla done well is how much that they get on board that it's part of the cast whether it be as the villain or as the protagonist or as an element of the story yeah. and i think that the best uh, mecha godzilla movies or the best uses of mecha godzilla in my opinion being this one and the first uh, godzilla versus mecha godzilla versus a terror are um a Terra, a Terra uh, versus that or a Mechagodzilla 2 is that it just it just kind of feels like it, there's just no personality to it. You feel like it could easily get beaten. And that's not necessarily the case with, I think, the better Mechagodzilla movies. Yeah. And I think that uh, there's a shorthand for that in this movie by giving this Mechagodzilla a name in, in, in Kiryu. But I, I do think that it ultimately pays off. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting to see that we have a big gamut of like what is – what makes a mecha godzilla work and what makes a mecha godzilla not work mm-hmm. um but uh a mecha godzilla is nothing without uh, his counterpart being the real godzilla so i just want to talk a little bit about him because the king of the monsters is back nick don't worry he has his pupils in fact he not only has pupils but he has fully functional eyes in this one as uh they um had to 
basically, you know, every each of these Godzilla movies, even though Mega Gear has had a slightly redesigned version of the 2000 suit, but um, as we get into the suit names, uh, they abandoned the look that you love so much in uh, Godzilla and uh, GMK uh, in favor of this one that fans call Kiryu Goji. And uh, it's basically a slightly redesigned version of the suit that we saw in 2000. Um, with uh, some notable differences, a little bit more of like a slender reptilian look. They um, brought down the uh, spines a little bit, but still kind of maintained the design a little bit. Um, Got rid of the green color scheme. I actually... Uh, taught somebody uh, at work that Godzilla is not green. <laughs> that everybody thinks he's green, but in very, and I think in only like one or two appearances, is he actually green? Um, so brought back his traditional color. Uh, but the biggest uh, change to this new suit is that they designed this Godzilla to be extremely more expressive, uh, expressive specifically in the eyes, and they uh, designed the suit that the eyes could widen and the pupils could narrow to give a little bit more expression within the eyes, which yeah. I think very much pays off oh my god this is one of the better suits yeah this absolutely this is i was gonna say one like of the all like i would honestly say this is like especially within the modern era of Godzilla, yes. within the and i would include the hasty and the millennium this is one of the best all-time costumes it looks so good it looks so good in motion it looks really badass in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and it feels it doesn't feel like because I, I I do feel like sometimes again we you get lost in it, but it, this feels like the first time in a while that I've really kind of got lost in the suit. Mm, no, no, I agree and, because and, and that, that, that it just feels like the real creature as opposed to like you know because like I feel like like there were elements I did like about like the that initial two thousands design, but it was one of those things where again especially when you have it fighting stuff like Olga and uh, yeah. And even Mega Gears, to some extent, it feels like that person in the suit. Whereas I feel like this movie, with the way it presents Godzilla and what the suit looks like, it, you really get lost in the like design. It really just feels like it is. And there's Godzilla, also like Godzilla a, walking around. There's also a lot of good cinematography in it, like the shot choices of like yeah. when to cut to Godzilla for like a reaction shot and yeah. a lot of the money well, shots. Yeah. That was actually a distinct thing about this movie. I there wasn't a big standout. Ooh, that's rough. Like a rough yeah, shot of yeah. Godzilla, where every one of the other movies, like every like big Godzilla money shot, was like, ooh, the green screen work on that is pretty rough. Or, Whereas or, they were able to hide it pretty well in this yeah. one. No, it, it, it's it's a great costume. Yeah, it's, it's it would be up there. I, I think there. this is one of the best looking uh, Godzilla costumes, and just the Godzilla and the performance and the whole portrayal itself. This Godzilla costume, I thought. Uh, and like I said, the portrayal really found the balance between making him a sentient character and also an animal. Yeah, I felt yeah, like I, I felt like that they were able to. He's ultimately still like an an an, an evil, cre- not like a GMK evil, but like a destructive dick. Yeah. But also, there was a little bit of like the personality in them. Yeah. Like you could you could tell like there it was personality and that it being an animal it like felt like more the most of like a living creature than i think that we have seen as opposed to a mindless uh kaiju that i think that we've seen in the in the in the previous films Mm -hmm. or in the previous at least the millennium uh uh, series um so i i like you i i 100 agree i actually this is the first time that i think i settled on like oh i really like this one in fact like i was looking up like oh what's the what's the sh monster arts on this one like because i was like oh i wouldn't mind owning owning this guy yeah it's just like and i also think it's like an immediate thing like when you first see godzilla it's just immediate or like this looks great yeah 
Um, where like the other ones, especially there's like 2,000 megagears into GMK, which you know I was not a big fan of. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I in takes you know. a big t- takes a while for you to kind of get into it. Whereas this one just immediately is like that's a great looking costume. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is potential that there was one movie. There was w- there was one more monster that we were going to talk about in this movie because there was reportedly. Uh, well, I mean, there is another monster I need to talk about in this movie. Wait. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we'll talk. We'll we'll talk about I, that. But I'm just yeah. gonna say there is we'll another movie that. I do yeah. need to talk about yeah. in this movie. So, uh, but the other one was that reportedly at one point that our old friend, uh, who we do remember in a similar circumstance, uh, was going to appear in the movie, and that was Titanosaurus. Oh. Uh, at one point, may have appeared in the movie. It was an idea that if it was an idea, it was scrapped extremely early, but. Uh, reportedly, you can look in the backgrounds, and Titanosaurus's name is on like a fish tank in the background in, in, in a scene. Interesting, um, but that would have been an interesting monster to, to pull out. I mean, it is interesting because you could see how they may have done it, like how they may have like, oh, well, it's like you can see like you could see it as an idea that was like you know thrown Pinched. around. Like it's like, well, Mechagodzilla. Hey, what about Titanosaurus? What if we? What if we bring him back? Uh, they didn't bring him back, but they do make some other interesting cameos in, in the film, as we will talk about. But uh, I think, uh, as we talked about the legacy, and we have our two, uh, we've talked about our two monsters, our two titular monsters in the movie. Let's uh, let's just get into the movie itself, because honestly, Nick, I'm I'm very excited to talk I'm about very this excited. one. I'm I'm. Uh... You know, I'm a Mechagodzilla stan, and I can't wait to, to get to my boy. Well, I've been using that word stan a lot. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to ask you to sit down, because we're about to talk about Mechagodzilla. What, you like, what was that? Because you, like, you were stan. Because you're, you're a stan. Oh. You're standing. Yeah. Okay. You, you Not my best. You could have pulled out an M&M reference. Yeah. I, I don't eat M&Ms. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> gotcha! <laughs> What you're looking at is the skeleton of the 1954 Godzilla. Last year, we salvaged it from the Pacific. Dr. Yohara, what do you think? Can you recover an interspinal cell? It won't be easy. Hold on. You want to clone it? Not quite. We want to build a super weapon to fight Godzilla. Our biomechanical Godzilla will be even more powerful than the real thing. That's why you're here. All of you. Japan needs you. People, the nation's fate is in your hands. All right, and we're back. (laughs) Uh, So... Nick, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Um, I think I'll start with this one. This is one a very this is this is high on my list for for myself. I really really dig this movie, mm-hmm. and the more I watch it, the more I dig it. I think that, uh, and it's and it's one of the kaiju films that I think legitimately you can make a case that it has maybe like it really delivers on. It being a well-rounded movie in terms of its like human characters and also delivering on its monster action, and I think this is one of the movies I go to 
that I put up, even if I don't put the entire movie up in the same category, but I put its human, uh, the the focus on its human characters for me up in that same car- category of like my Godzilla, uh, my Godzilla versus Mothra's because I think that the movie does such a good job on selling you on the the human characters and the the plight of the human characters, and I think that the movie actually takes some unique, interesting turns to make it not so cliche because there it, it definitely is like a more streamlined back to basics movie but i think that the movie actually um uh, because in many ways this movie is tezuka's uh second swing uh, at bat like he's just like it, it's because we talk yeah <laughs> but it really is it's like uh, when we start breaking down the plot it's very much like a lot of the same elements of me- of Megaguirus that he's like, all right, let, yeah, let me try this one again. Actually, very true. And I think this time around, he he makes ultimately a very a, a very compelling uh, human storyline that honestly I say should be um, uh, looked at if you're going to make another like a Mecha Godzilla. And it's one of those things where, you know. Um, you, we we've already talked about like we don't necessarily aren't as harsh on the human plot lines in 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 some of these movies and i think sometimes we think they work better than most people do but i think this is the one where you're like all right if you really want to look at a movie that does quote unquote care about its human characters in relation to the uh rest of the movie with the the kaiju fights um i think this is this is one of those movies and i think that the more i watch it i i get something thematically very rich out of it and then especially when we get into more broader political uh, implications of the movie, I think that there's a lot to dive into in this movie. So I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this movie. This easily rests in my top 10 and, um, and I, I'm glad to share it with you as, as the, now this was the one, this was, this was yeah. the big one. I think ever since we watched uh, Mecha Godzilla, the first one, that this was the one that I was w- waiting to share. So now that it has been shared, what did you think? Well, this is a response to your first question about like where I am with the Millennium Era. Um, I do think you're right in that it's just becoming like the least interesting of the eras. More so because like the first like show era has the insanity of like you never knew what the next movie was gonna be. Sure. That basically it's like anything could happen. And then the Hasey era has the continuity aspect mm-hmm. that I think like over time I think it's a rough start for me, but over time kind of builds into something very interesting. Yeah. Whereas the Millennium Era, I think... And, and there's a bit of a more consistency yeah. with it, for better and for worse, but yeah. there is, like, My a... thing about the Millennium Era is that the decision to continually do reboots just gives it a start-and-stop feel. Where really? You, that's that's interesting. Okay. I just... What I feel like is, like, okay, we have this direction with Godzilla 2000, and then, like, okay, well, now we have a new direction with Megagirus, and then, okay, we're completely scratching that and doing this really evil Godzilla in GMK. Right. And it just feels like, you know, you you kind of want them to do one thing or the other. Mm. Like, you just kind of, I wanted them to do something. Especially because this was, sorry to interrupt, but this was the first movie where I noticed where even though it may pay off, in my opinion, better in this movie, you do feel like, all right, we've done like three or four movies, well, really, Godzilla 2000 didn't do this, but we've done a couple movies, and the the retcon how they retcon has been like pretty much the same yeah, so they kind of get it, oh, like the m- opening of the movie is always like so back in 1954 yes, there exactly. was a Godzilla even, <laughs> even Godzilla 2000 it doesn't have that specifically but right, it still right. kind of has that feeling of like okay well everything else is out the window right right you know and I feel like you know I, I okay 
I mean, it's it's clear that this movie is like the best of the Millennium Era. Right, right. Um, I, I should have I should have opened up with that too. And my this is my favorite of the Millennium Era. Oh yeah, I mean, era. I think yeah. there's there's no doubt it is. There's no doubt it's a top ten for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I really does solidify Mechagodzilla as one of my favorite like kaiju creatures or mm-hmm. kaiju elements. Um, just because I do I do find all of his movies to be super solid and him to be solid in in his appearances. Um, I would say that. Like this is kind of where, within this kind of two thousands direction of Godzilla plots, I, this is kind of what I wanted. And when you mentioned that this movie has very much similarities to Megaguirus in a lot of ways, I was like, oh, that's actually very true. There are a lot of like little bitty elements that are shared that kind of create this movie. And I feel like you know, I would say Megaguirus would be my second favorite of the Millennium Era, where I feel like there were a lot of interesting ideas in there that didn't really go all the way. Like it had mm-hmm. kind of the little horror idea that kind of like, oh, that would have been cool to see. You know, kind of going more all in on on the new monster stuff would have been great too, and like all the kind of stuff that disappears. And I feel like you're completely right in that. In this kind of a, it's a second, it's a do over on that just mm-hmm. the basic thematics, but this one knocks all of them out of the park. The, um, the kind of regret of a soldier mm-hmm. is much more fleshed out in this movie you have a lot more interesting elements of the the political decision making and the reasons that things are happening um it feels as though even though this is another reboot mm-hmm. of Godzilla this one more so than any of the other millennium era movies i feel like is more connected to the Godzilla traditional like it you you could really feel this coming out of like stuff from the showa and stuff from the hasty era where it does more feel like it is even though it's its own thing it's still kind of connected spiritually to those movies right whereas i feel like the other thing about the millennium era is that those movies also do so much to be like yeah we're gonna take 54 but we're really gonna do something different right right we're really gonna make okay we're gonna make godzilla totally evil in this one and and I feel like this one kind of because of it's like the way it connects back just from the thematic elements from the the portrayal of Godzilla, even though again Godzilla's still pretty much a animal right. that's just kind of not good but also not bad. Yeah. Kind of more so well, early, more so early hasty than anything else. Right, right. Um but I do feel like just kind of the thematics of solid human story that it just wraps in a in a nice, easy, great watch something that's good to share yeah and i think there's there's a level of this film where there there's this kind of like energy about this film like that you're just hopping into it so it's like you almost feel like they're recapping the 1954 stuff plot wise because of like how they make mecha godzilla but there is a sense that you know that like audience you know the drill Godzilla attacks cities, and here's another attack that he's doing. So it's kind of like this is like you know standard operating procedure, but kind of like in the best way, like in in, in the way that is not uh, diminishing the intelligence of the audience. I think, yeah. but but I also think too. I think what's great again is just it kind of what's also very interesting about the way this movie portrays its history is that it actually feels like a history. Um, even though there probably could have been a little bit more of it in the movie. Right. Because like, when you get to like stuff like, you know, like, GMK is a good example, where it's the basically the plot of the movie is Godzilla attacked in 54, and we created this defense force, and then we've been waiting, you know, 50 years or right. whatever. Well, no, GM, GMK is like they killed him. 
Like that was the that was no, the but, origin but, but, but of they that. They said they killed him, but then they 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 killed him, but they also still create this like oh just in case yeah yeah, yeah. The, the just in case. But then nothing happens until now. Right. And like same thing within like Megagaris. It's more so like he we had this thing, and now like he's back and. We have we have to go ahead and like you know create this black hole to to, to, to finally beat it. Right. Yeah. Whereas like, um, you know, it kind of it does have that kind of history, but it also just feels again. I think we mentioned in that episode that history of like the Godzilla attacks feels more surface level than anything else. Right. Right. Where and this I guess we'll get this out of the way. There is they do present a history of other monsters attacking. Right. And I feel that 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 just that little element connects it to the Godzilla lore more so that you just get more invested in what they're telling you because there is like Mothra and this weird Gyra this weird leafy Bigfoot creature so that is a reference to the film War of the Gargantuans which we've talked about yeah, uh-huh. on, this, on this podcast which I, I, I have I, not I kind of assumed yeah based on like the footage that we saw because it was very Honda-esque. I know that's another... Yeah, uh, I, it, it. this is one of the... Th- that's why I like it, but I also kind of wish there was... Ma- because I do like that element of it, and I think what it does well is that it organically builds the world of, like, okay, there have been some of these monsters attack, and all of them have been manageable, and, we, and, and we've uh, defeated them and won through, like, our technology, but, like, you know, how long... It, it is kind of like... It, it does feel like... The conclusion to basically come up with the ultimate weapon does feel very organic yeah. in, in this movie. Now, I don't, I don't doubt that they probably could have included one more monster. That that was going to be my one thing because it's a little bit you of like... Thrown in a me- you could have thrown in a, um, a Megalon. Yeah. Like, just something like, like again, like, something... Because the fact that they pull out War of the Gargantuans... Right, which right. We, again, we've talked about what haven't seen it, but I kind of assumed based on the footage. You could have done something, like, crazy like that. Like, just kind of pull... Sure, it, sure. No, like, I agree. Even if it was, like, a Rodan or a, or, a, or a Megalon or, you know, even, like, an Ibira type of deal where you just so like, oh, and then this giant lobster attacked us. So it was, like, something like that would have been great. But I just did, did appreciate that, like, even pulling that stuff out, I guess just this made the world a little bit more richer in the ways that... Them trying to set up the fifty-four thing in those other two movies that they do just didn't feel as thorough. No, no, I, I, I definitely would agree. Um, but that kind of brings us into like really what the movie's about, and we mentioned that it's kind of like Mega Megagirus. I mean, the movie essentially opens the same way, yeah. Where it's so, like Godzilla attacks, and the military is striking back with its Maser cannons, which have been the only form of technology that has driven off monsters in the past. And um, it essentially, and, and within all of the chaos of trying to uh, uh, push back Godzilla, we are introduced to our uh, our lead uh, protagonist, uh, Akane, who is played by Yumiko Sha- uh, Shaku. And um, she uh, is basically, she's a Mazer Cannon operator. And through some panic and, and disarray and chaos, and some- uh, she inadvertently... Uh, causes the death of some of her uh, of some of her uh, co- of comrades, um, and uh, oh, and then she because well, oh she's in the she's in the Mazer cannon and she backs up and then their truck falls off the the cliff and then right. Godzilla like, steps it's just on. Like, yeah. it's just kind of like told to back up and you know get out of here and she kind of like accidentally hits another truck right. out off and then Godzilla stomps on it. Yeah, uh, and then and not then, and then knocks her off the cliff and then they share. They share rival eyes with each other, yeah. and then Godzilla roars and lightning hits him, and the title card comes up, and it is badass. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then the main point of that is that she is there. They investigate the situation. They want to know what happened, and she eventually 
doesn't even like come up with an excuse. She just says, "I will take whatever punishment you give right, me." Right, right. So she's basically demoted to a desk job in like the military research library. Like, right. She's no longer part of this, you know, elite uh, kaiju defense force. Uh, she is just kind of being like there's a regular old desk job. And that, right. That's right. her life. So that and that's basically ultimately like in some ways it's it's very similar to the opening of Megagirus. Like now Megagirus took the our lead character in that one and just made it like a revenge tale. Whereas this one, I felt like in this one Akane was very much more of a nuanced uh portrayal yes. of mm-hmm. the regret and like the 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 shame that she feels for doing that. But this actually kind of goes into one of the things that makes this human plot line so nuanced and effective for me. Um, is that the portrayal of how she fits in with the team and the military after this happens, where they were very, uh, they were, I just felt that they were very nuanced in how people would react to that because I think the way that they portrayed in the movie was, it's not like in a movie where it's like she's an outcast in the military and everybody hates her because she ruined it all and she like you know she got all these people killed, like even like the opening, uh, you know the 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 meeting that she's having with all like the generals it's more of like listen like we get it like yeah you you fucked up like we get it but it's like we know like you didn't actually like like intentionally kill anybody we just need to be honest about what happened here and then she in many ways she fully accepts the demotion yeah and but it was nice to see that her team that she works with the g-force team was very much in her corner with the exception of a few people but I just thought that that was it, one of the nice things to see. It was is because that because you're right? Because yeah. in Megagirus, it very much was more so like the, that character felt like, you know, taking on Godzilla will absolve me of these sins, right? And it was more so that revenge plot where it's like he, you know, I made a mistake, but he was the one who killed everybody, so it's it's on him. Whereas, whereas this one, it was a lot more. Again, it was a lot more nuanced. Where it's like, in the sense, she really could have said like she could have argued that it wasn't her fault that there was a lot going on she's like she was told to back up or she told to get out of there and things happened it was raining it was crazy but she just was like i you know that was my mistake and i understand that you know lives were lost because of me so i will take the full responsibility right. of it and then you know eventually when she's invited back it's not even as like you know this is your chance at revenge or anything like that it was more so like you're just a really good pilot one of the best that we have and this is a very important project that we need you on board with. Right. And even with that situation, again, the, the more traditional plot line for it would be that everybody's like, oh, but she killed like she killed like ten people, right. or wh- whatever it may be. But really, she just has opposition by someone whose brother that she killed. Right. And even that, everybody kind of defends her and just like, hey, this is not what we need right now. We have a you know we have a bigger right. fish to fry, and you kind of get more so so because you don't have that outside pressure. It's more about her right, and her feelings of her own self being worthless and her own self being like, you know, kind of that hard on, you know, self-loathing depression that's not necessarily brought on by anybody else, but just like the reflection on your own mistakes and something that right. she has to get out of not just because, oh, everybody hates her and she wants to prove that she's the best. It's more so that this is something that's like an internal struggle. Which I think really works for this movie, really works for the character, and does create something a little bit more with a little more depth 
than anything we've really seen in the Millennium Era. And it's because you're right. It, it, it takes the story away from, okay, she now is going to regain her place in the military right. like, and more of just like a personal tale of, of, uh, of accepting her own worth and coming to grips with uh, yeah. her actions, whether they were intentional or not. And I think that it was an easy way because even if you, even if that's not the story, you're right. If they made it that like, all right, everybody is mistrustful of her, and then at the end they're not. Then the story, and they become trustful of her. Then the story really becomes about that, about like mm-hmm. her place in the military, and and I felt like it was very refreshing that they portray it as like, you know, because it's always kind of silly. Like, well, I feel like in a scenario like that, some people probably would be mistrusting of her and i think that they also made a smart move by being like oh like that was my brother in it so mm-hmm. they make the one guy who's a real dick about it the guy who really lost the most in that situation yeah. whereas it really is like the guy in the 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 leader of g-force is the most in her corner and everybody else seems supportive but you know it seemed kind of like neutral on on the subject right and everything about like uh, akane just just worked for me and and i think that they found i just felt like the arc of ultimately where where she goes is just like was just very well done and and very brilliant and, and really it's also i mean not to it shouldn't you know, we really we we've kind of gone back and forth on discussing performances, uh, but it's a great performance. Yes, it's a very subtle, not too big performance that you really get into her head. Because there, like, I mean, there's also this other element of the plot line where she's having conversations, you know, with uh, one of the other scientists and the scientist's daughter. Right. And a lot of the times within that, I mean, there's honestly a very like one of those conversations that just kind of like hits home sometimes where it's mm-hmm. just like, she talks about like, you know, it's just her, her lack of self-worth. And then the, the daughter's just like, well, everybody has worth, right? Everybody's right. worth something. And it's just like, again, very simple, but it kind of very much works thematically for what's happening with, with, with our characters. And it, just kind of breeds life into when we get to the drama of the monster action in that final battle and you know her sat like the way that she's about to sacrifice herself for that kind of just leads up well and and, and the whole arc is you're you're right it does flow within the movie very well it's very clear and um it's not you know it's kind of the general gist of like okay well we need to fight godzilla is our general goal but again, it's not like her focus is, you know, and it's like her focus on saving people never wavers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's again, like, because again, in that scenario where it's more so like it's about her versus her brethren right. in the military, it's more so then she she has to do the big badass save right. moment. And she gets those moments, but it's more rooted in just who she is as a person. Right. That, that accident where that killed all of those other soldiers in that first battle was genuinely a mistake because in any situation she is going to risk her own life to save you right and, well you and also it, and it to... just makes that clear yeah and makes that arc clear and and, and so it just makes all that the more engaging within her story well yes i have to remember the movie makes it very clear that like this is what she wants to do and it's another smart move that the script takes is that they don't waste time with like the we want you back on the team. And she's like, no, I don't know if I can do it. I got people oh, yeah, killed. No, she, she's like, a- they make it like, like this is what she wants to do, but th- where she's at in her life and mentally, like, she's not, she just can't bring herself to, like, 
ask for the spot. Yeah. So the fact to that she, out, yeah. yeah. So the fact that she's being invited on, and again, you're right. When it, when you get to um, her performance, it's um it's very well done because you can see that it's a character who's like literally this is like a, like she can't believe that she's getting the sh- the chance mm-hmm. to do it again and i'm so glad you brought up the uh the scene with uh, the our scientist um uh mr yuhara and uh, his daughter sarah um but sarah! the scene with uh sarah and akane uh, that may be one of the best written scenes and like just one of the best human scenes in Godzilla canon. Oh, absolutely. Because like one of the great things about it and how it feeds into the arc is that in the nuances of the character is that we are introduced to Sarah, who's this girl who kind of uh, represents like um, they uh, she lost her mother and, you know, she's kind of like keeping this plan alive as like a, you know, uh, um, uh, representation. representation of of the of her lost mother so she's a little bit more um she's she she is a she's a little bit more passionate about like you know the preciousness of life like she and well, I, I imagine that she just has a very inherent fascination with life and death right and very connection with it because she lost her mother and, and she's been keeping this plan alive so it's very much something that's important to her and What's so great about that scene with Akane is like she's at this point in this movie where she's like, um, where you know she's having a fit about that, and Akane really comes to Sarah to essentially like you know like like cheer her up. Try she's kind of using like a you you get the sense she's coming over and using like this. Uh, kind of reverse psychology where she's like, yeah, I guess my life doesn't matter, whatever, like, you know, whatever. And then she gets the girl like, no, no, life does matter and you have to fight on. But what's so beautiful about it is that Akane is genuinely, you know, using this tactic to make this girl feel better. But she's saying all of this stuff that is clearly yeah. what's on well, her she, mind. Like like she like, says, well, I, I don't have any friends. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't have anybody in this world. I don't have any family, don't have any friends. I've basically by myself mm-hmm. and that makes me feel worthless. Right, yeah. But it's 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 just interesting to me that they it's written and performed in such a way where she's kind of saying that in this way where I think like she's like goading this kid to be like, "Eh, come on." Like, yeah, like that kind of reverse psychology thing, but also really speaking out like what her actual demons are. And I just thought it was a, it was a very brilliantly yeah. done uh done scene. And then ultimately and then it and it pays off when uh the um when Sarah goes up and like you know gives her kind of like the what was it the handshake or whatever yeah. right before she goes and it just brought that little oh, relationship full circle. full circle so and I just thought like and again it it was one of those things that made the the human characters and then while we're talking about because we'll have plenty of, like to talk about the um monster the stuff. monster stuff but while we're talking about like kind of like the human stuff. One of the other things I really liked about this movie is, as you kind of mentioned earlier, like the world building, the representation of the plight of the Japanese government within this fictional world, I thought was very well portrayed. And I thought that the movie spent time with, because there's really no, like, would you say there's like a big kind of cliche archetype in this movie? I I wouldn't say so, because like no, all the- No, not, go- I mean like the, the, the closest is like the, like the- angry brother right yeah that, that would be that the would closest be the, one the closest one where like of course it's like the guy who's just is like being a total jerk like, right about, yeah like everything like, but oh, he uh. did lose his brother like, yeah. like <laughs> no, he does but like he's he's like he's like but he's also kind of in the mega jerk where he's like making comments like yeah he doesn't him. stop like he always finds an opportunity he's like, to be like, like oh, i guess you're planning all our deaths now aren't you <laughs> like i told you she was trying to kill us all but uh but with the um because we are also another interesting uh, element in this movie 
is that we're also experiencing a prime minister shift as well yeah. um with which by the way uh the original prime minister the first prime minister is a cameo appearance by kumi mizono uh who appeared in abira and astro monster okay. um so she returns in that and then the new prime minister and this is actually criminal that we haven't mentioned him but akira nakao uh nakao yeah um, he's been in all like a lot of these Godzilla oh, yeah, movies yes, before. Yeah, he's, been in a, he's, he's been in a bunch. He of was like one of the lead uh, generals or colonels in the Hasey films, and uh, this isn't his last appearance in these movies. So you know he he's a Godzilla veteran, and it's almost like whether you've been like really paying attention to it or not, it kind of like plays in this movie a little bit. But one of the things I liked about this movie was like when it came to like the government thing, because one thing that I'm glad that Tezuka like kind of backed off on from Megagiris is because Megagiris had the whole like, well, the, 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 the company man was using the radiation technology the whole time. And that's why it's all being fucked up. He just hid it under a building somewhere. Like, so there's still like all those machinations. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like this one was just like, it really felt like it was these leaders of a country trying to figure out what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought that they, they spent a good amount of time like, going to and you never felt like there was an uh, an ulterior motive it was just like it was always a cut back to like man like oh, we got we got to do something or else like you know we're all going to and we we can't let our you know our soldiers die in vain but then when things go awry the guys like man like I really want to use this Mecha Godzilla, but we kind of like I just thought like they really made a fleshed out character of all these politicians. And I thought that that was it it just felt it it was it was just very refreshing. Yeah. And I think that that there was the heaviness of because we we throw around like uh, that's the ultimate weapon a lot. And sometimes even in in the Godzilla movies where it's like, okay, well, this is our big thing to, to do Godzilla and like does it have a you know a bigger place in the world we don't know but there is they do present a heaviness to the fact that they are building this thing and they go out of the way to say like we've talked to these other countries right we, right we told them what we're doing they understand that this is our our, our one defense um, but is that though was that the case because this was another kind of political because there is definitely we talked a lot about this on the last bond deep dive about how like you know how uh that those movies handle like the political landscape. Yeah. Whereas I felt like, you know, with, you know, this movie deals with like changing regimes and a new regime coming in and basically green lighting the ultimate weapon, which is once again, like not hidden at all. It's right. like new, like this is our new atomic weapon, like essentially. And it's like the, we're going, we're going to uh, be hoisted on our own nuclear petard. Like it's like, it's like, there's like all that kind of stuff. But I got the sense where it's like, there was that big, as I called the Nintendo Direct presentation of when they build the the Mecha Godzilla, yeah. and then they show how devastating this Mecha Godzilla could be. And what was so fascinating about it, though, is like really all they're just doing is like they're showing this weapon and how easily it can defeat Godzilla. But the implications of that, though, it's like well, because you like step back and think about that. You're like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. So they built a giant dinosaur that can freeze buildings and disintegrate them within seconds. And even though we know in, in, in the movie it's never villainized because we know 100% what it's for. And the movie, I think refreshingly doesn't play around with like another government officials like, yes, and this will keep the Americans on their toes too. Like it's, it's not like that. There's a brief mention that like we've discussed this with other world leaders. But, but I did get the sense that when they show the presentation video, there was that little implication where everybody's, 
he's like, wait, what? Like, what do you have? Yeah, like, yeah. So, no, I, I, I felt like there's like because there's all the press and like, yeah. All the, People that that and they see it and they're like, what, 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 what just happened? Right, and I think that I, yeah, I got that. And I think that there's an interesting political implication of that. That even though, it, again, it, it all starts I with mean, good intentions, right? It, because, like you, because that's the whole thing that they set up again when they once again bring up the oxygen destroyer and Doctor Serizawa. Right. Yeah. Like, again, nobody has any sort of records anywhere about the oxygen destroyer that, that Serizawa was worried about what it could do. And there is that kind of like it's and again they don't beat it over your head, which sometimes doesn't work, but in this movie it does. Right. Because sometimes it's like you want more, um, you want more of a, you know, a a, a d- discussion on that aspect. Right. Right. But I do feel what works about this movie is that a lot of those elements are kind of played a little more subtly, and the fact that it's all kind of there. Because I think there's other elements that they kind of touch on and bring up about other kind of thematics that I feel like just kind of creates like a wider depth of these characters. Cause right. even like Sarah talking about like, you know, Mechagodzilla is it, is it's its own creature right, like, right. and stuff like that. I think also fits into that because it is again, something that is initially created as a weapon, but as we learn does kind of have a little bit of a personality of its own. Well, I, I think one thing is, and, and I, I still stand by, like, I, I think that those, you're you're right. Those political inferences, and they don't really like delve deep into them. But I do think it adds a little bit. Again, like the world building in this movie is like very subtly genius. Yeah. I think. I think, it, especially in comparison to Megaguirus, because remember Megaguirus, that opening was very much like it that's hits, true. Yeah, you, you're it, right. It hits you at, like the it hits you over the head with like this is how the world was changed by Godzilla appearing like every once in a while. Right, right. And like we can't use nuclear energy anymore and it's like all that stuff. Whereas this one it was again, even with the subtlety of using Mothra and the Leafy Bigfoot guy, <laughs> um uh there's that kind of just element of like, yes, this is something we've dealt with and we've we've seen like how okay, well they developed the really they developed the Mazer cannon to defeat the gargantuan guy and they, you know, Mothra had its own like little, you know, thing that they they take and that they put into eventually Mechagodzilla, and eventually like the Mechagodzilla thing is kind of this big, this big step technologically. Um, well, I I think ultimately the most criminal thing we have done on this podcast is we really buried the lead on what's what's going on here with Mechagodzilla. So, um, I'm gonna I'll say it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, this Mechagodzilla is made. Uh, using so we had a previous Mecha Godzilla that was made using the the you know the the Mecha King Ghidorah. Right. This Mecha Godzilla, on the other hand, is, is made of, from remains from remains <laughs> uh, of the original Gojira. It's made from the skeleton of the original <laughs> Godzilla. Yes, and then ultimately, this is so bonkers because what's so good because because ultimately it's like all right can we get dna from because we are introduced to one of our other protagonists which is dr yohara who is like kind of like he is a on the forefront technology of uh you know kind of doing this cyber genetic work like with bi- bio robotics yeah bio robotics and by the way one of the best jokes in the movie was he's talking about his biorobotics with a class full of students, and he goes through his classic Godzilla like humanity is the villain and nobody cares. Yeah. Like so he they're goes, all, they're, like, all, they're all like kind of really like looking at. This, yeah, this, this, I just thought this, I laugh this at robotic, that robotic trilobite. Yeah, and, and as much as like, especially after watching all of these movies, like when he turns around, he's like. Every creature needs a hand because humanity is really the destructive force, and it is my job to protect. It's just like, and it's like these creatures haven't been like these trilobites haven't been 
around for for years now because the oceans are polluted yeah. and humanity and like <laughs> and going to the specifics and then like he's like and, and nobody cares yeah. <laughs> and, and i thought like it's kind of like tragic but also extremely funny because it's you know making fun of the trope but it's also kind of like yeah i guess yeah. nobody really cares but but basically the but way he's but, like, his, yeah. but his whole thing is that like because they mentioned this in our in our godzilla or mecha godzilla direct where it's basically like that Mecha Godzilla uses like DNA computers. Oh yeah, yeah, that was the thing. Which is like like a million times faster than simple binary. <laughs> like and it has this comparison chart where it's like it's literally like like the Godzilla DNA, and it like it shows like oh look at how fast it can compute well, because- by using like DNA strands and like and then the binary is just like oh yeah ones and zeros coming down straight down. Yeah, it it, it is. Because it is funny because he opens up with, like, because they're like, can, do you think you can get, like, the DNA uh, code from the skeleton? And he's like, it, it, I mean, it's possible, maybe. But then he's like, wait a minute. You want to clone it? And then the reaction from them is, I mean, I, this is a little hyperbole, but I, it is kind of like, no, that's silly. Cloning a, a dinosaur? No, we want to build a robot around it. <laughs> like, because that's the thing. This movie is like, and again, this is where it's like, uh, they have to lean into some ludicrous element oh, yeah. of it, and there's n- absolutely no reason why the robot they build has to be another Godzilla. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's like, also like, why? Like, why do they have to do it this way? Doesn't matter. You know why? Because the movie's called Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla. Well, That's it's like why. A, they, the Godzilla is the ultimate creature, so you got to build the ultimate weapon in his image. Yeah, but it's just like, but you're right. Like, and then they do that thing where it's like, they, in a weird way, in world justify why you would need it. Like, you, I still don't understand why it needs to be like a robot Godzilla, but they do justify why they're using the bones. And you're right. It's because it's like DNA powered computers just DNA work so compu- much better. It's like literally like DNA computing. That's what they call it. I thought that was spectacular. And so ultimately... But yeah, so it has like yeah. again, a bunch of weapons. As we mentioned, it has what the absolute zero cannon, which which was 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 funny because when you mentioned Mega Garris, it's like, well, there is a similar element to that black hole cannon that they yes. build in that movie. Yeah. So it was yeah. very funny. But the, 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 the absolute zero cannon would basically freeze everything in an instant and then like essentially disintegrates. Right, right. Um, and then it, it's remotely piloted. Um, so you don't have to, you know, it has like a thing inside for a backup, but basically they, they're piling it from like planes. So they're not within the, the, with the actual, you know, line of fire right? Uh, and stuff like that. It does have a tail, which is very nice. Yeah. Um, uh, but so- eventually how, what that gets to is that they're doing the big presentation and as they're doing the big presentation, you know, Godzilla appears mm-hmm. in a, in a great little moment where, there's like people on a radar screen and and the girl at the computer is like oh there's something on the radar and the guy's like what is it a whale <laughs> the girl's like come on guy <laughs> it's way too big to be a whale he's like come on dude <laughs> also because the image on the screen is like clearly it's got it's like godzilla it's well clearly- it was funny because the joke i made was like is it a whale and then the image shows up he's like that's weird a whale with legs <laughs> But eventually, during this presentation, Godzilla does appear, and yeah. so they're basically like, well, "Awesome shots, by the way! Oh, like the amazing. way the okay. way that they're like cutting around him, and like the shots that they choose." And there's that one particular shot where Mecha Godzilla is like fl- is being lowered down, and then there's that that kind of like uh, like high angle shot of like Godzilla looking up at like uh, yeah. Mecha Godzilla. I thought that was and just, it's just awesome because 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 the costume looks so great that those shots work so well. Because you're right, like a lot of those other money shots within the Millennium era. 
Like when you think of the 2000 with all those rough shot, you know, green screens. You're right, yeah. Or, you know, GMK with those silly eyes, in my opinion. Um, it's just like you're kind of like, ugh. Like you're just like there's not a great reaction. Whereas yeah. in this movie, there's just so much that's like, oh, like that's Godzilla right there. And the eyes are so good. They're like, they, so they, good. They widen. They they, they furrow. When, when Godzilla's they, yeah. like staring at Mechagodzilla and yeah. you can just see like his eyes narrow, it's so expressive. Right, right. And you don't need to move the lips, you guys. You yeah. just need the, the <laughs> eyes. It's all in the eyes. And also like speaking of just like this Godzilla on its own, um, I thought it was just badass that like they just went ahead and like – like there were there were so many elements of this Godzilla I liked. Like they they the Mazers do a little bit of like they push him back a little bit, so it's the most quote unquote effective weapon. But I love how like missiles he didn't even move. Mm-hmm. Like he would just get shot with a, a barrage of missiles and it didn't do jack. It's really the, the, the brush off. Yeah, and one little effect that I did like in this movie was the um the the atomic breath. In oh, this yeah. movie, and I like that they added this little detail where it it like kind of flickers off and on on his back. Yeah, so it's like kind yeah. of like almost like a car starting up yeah. or an engine starting up uh, before he like actually shot like a destructive oh, yeah. and, blast. And, and, and I and thought like, that was a tangible uh, like p- piece of a special effects that I think works. Just like again, like it just they do so well with the atomic breath in general. Uh, use it very effectively, and again those wide shots. Yeah, the great glowing flins and i like how the, i did like how the the spines and the fins looked as well yeah uh, a little bit kind of like you know a little bit like there's there but they're not as like jagged out as some of the other designs especially some of the other modern designs yeah yeah i uh, would so basically <laughs> you know what i'm getting to right yeah because because you knew about the godzilla grave robbing going into this right no Oh, you didn't? No. I thought you knew about you knew about oh, that one. Oh, well, I guess because I did see the presentation that that was at Comic Con. We're right. talking about the bones, but I guess I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, I kind of still felt like there was like I felt like I felt like I kind of confused it with the Ghidorah stuff in the in the. Uh, oh right, 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 right. I felt like it was a separate thing. But anyways, okay. So, but so but, this comes to my question: Which one of these reveals was the most insane to you? Oh, I can tell you. Yeah, and I, I think ask, I know which one it was. So basically, they start off this fight, and again, it's frenetic. Originally, you know, Mechagodzilla has all his lasers, and it's just barraging Godzilla, and eventually does send Godzilla back like a little bit. And they're like, oh, my God, it's working. Like, he's, he's kind of retreating, going for the kill, going for the zero, the absolute zero laser. And so our, our main character uh, is going to, um, you know, setting it up. And then Godzilla roars. And Godzilla roars. And yes. then it's got to show. So the camera zooms in, does a quick zoom on the mecha Godzilla, like into his eye. And then you see flashes of like fifty four, like like kind of like <laughs> like he's like all the flashes of different scenes from that movie. And then eventually, essentially, Mecha Mecha Godzilla like is awakened by the spirit of the original, <laughs> like the memories of the original Godzilla, and basically like. You know, they can't control him anymore. He's right. his own autonomous thing. Right. Just attacking the city. Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's so goofy. And he, and he just goes like, on a rampage. Yeah. It's so goofy because, because again, like, and I, what I also liked about it, what I really liked about it is that in another movie, this would have been like, oh man, she's screwing up again, like more so like on the nose. And it very much was like everybody's like, well, we can't control it. She's mm-hmm. nothing she can do. Mm-hmm. And then like again, like the dick guy's like, you really trying to get us killed, huh? And it's just like I can't control it. Everybody right, right, can't. you're right. No, that's a good point. But what it does do is that it's still thematically, uh, um, 
uh, feeds into character. Yes. Because once again, she's behind the wheels of something that she, that cannot, it, control. That she can't control, and it's destroying everything. Yeah. So she's still kind of like the pilot to that. So it still feeds into the character a little and bit. And it feels in that. And then I think it also kind of leads into just, again, that kind of self-doubt that she has when she does express herself. It's like, mm-hmm. do, I have, do I have worth? But how awesome was it just trouncing around? At uh, one point, it just walks through a building. It does. And then the best part about it is like they're literally like, well, we can't, we have no backup system to shut it down. We just have to wait for it to lose power. Right. And I love that. I just love that. Like, well, how long does it until it lose power? Countdown comes on the screen. About an hour, sir. Right. And then there's an amazing shot where it's, con- it's continuing, like it's walk through buildings, just continuing to destroy the city. And then it basically shuts down in the sunset. And yeah. basically, like, that's an awesome shot. This destroyed city. With his ultimate weapon gone awry, mm-hmm. uh, and of course you get all the shots of the newspapers being like, you know, the first day of it like was terrible and everything like that. But it's just like, but it fits so thematically in what we were just talking about. Actually, when when you really think about it, in terms of them creating this weapon with this intention, mm-hmm. it create the weapon with the intention of like it's just going to be to defeat Godzilla. Absolutely, there's nothing else that's going to happen. It's going to beat Godzilla, and we're going to be good. And any other monsters might appear. Hey, we might bring it out. Yeah. But in this situation, it got out of control continue to do its destruction and then at the end of the day this weapon that was built for good you see it in the sunset around this destroyed city right and there's that worry now that mm-hmm. like can we use this again will well, this happen again well even more so than that because i because this is like the next big thematic thing i wanted to touch on and, and and it's twofold one is because of the powering down they they do add that element that this thing does run on a battery life it's about um, two, like two hours, yeah. and then anything after two hours, you have to get like reserved. Right, like. yeah. Um, which was the only part of the movie that I think kind of slowed the movie down is when they had to explain and utilize the whole like we got to power them up like that. That was the only part of the movie that I think because it happens in the third act. That that's the only part of the movie where I'm like, oh, this slowed down they a little have to bit. Shut down the power of the entire yeah. Tokyo. Um, but but what I was gonna say is like, what's so genius about because why it could come off as like, oh, like they kind of put a weakness into this in, into the script. But what I love about it is that the implications of that are that especially when you contrast him to Godzilla, that Godzilla is notoriously this unstoppable force of nature that was. Uh, maybe pushed forward in a more negative direction by man. Whereas Mecha Godzilla or Kiryu in this scene is the most representative of, of what man can do, where it's like it's this extremely destructive force, but in many ways it still has like a shelf life to it. Like it, it like so humanity is still as destructive on itself, but it's still human in a way. Yeah. So it's like it's not quite Godzilla where it's just the unstoppable uh uh, force of evil it, it does break down but it almost makes it that's what makes it scary in a way is like yeah. to me like and it le- leads to this image that of it powering down amongst like the city it destroyed because when you think about what godzilla always does godzilla comes and goes comes and goes he like wreaks havoc destroys some buildings and, returns, and then like returns, and returns to, the to the sea whereas this one literally the uh, like the this the the cause of this of your like he's basically knocked down buildings and taken its place so by the time that mechagodzilla powers down not only has it destroyed everything but now you got to look up at the sunset and you got to see it you got to see it it's just powered down and you got to go and grab it yeah like, and, and, and you got to go take care of it like yeah, it's like that, yeah because now it's like and the, and it's also the thing where it's like 
you know, when you have a Godzilla attack, like the whole world's like, oh, like what could we have done? Yeah. And now you have like the whole newspaper thing afterwards, which is basically like, well, this was a disaster. Yeah. The first day of this big weapon was a disaster, and then that, like that, the all takes where it's like, well, this was a human-made thing. We could have prevented this. They didn't need to make this. Blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. And again, it doesn't get totally into that aspect of it, but you could read into that scene that way. Yeah, and it, and it's, it's just funny po- to the point where. You know, is the prime minister going to have to resign? Right. You know, is is this like going to ruin his his career? Is this going to ruin his life because he was the one who pushed this forward and now he's, you know, caused more destruction than he's prevented? I just thought with all this stuff, I think for the first time ever that Mechagodzilla became a true mirror of Godzilla because in many ways yeah. becomes another reflection of man of man's folly. And in some ways, very obvious ways, but I just thought like the the addition of that it eventually powers down shows the equally futile, uh, Nature but of, you, of man. yeah, that it's like, and then it, because it's like also like, well, they do that, and then Godzilla is still out there, yeah, and that thing ain't gonna power down, yeah, like so it, it, it's just I I that's all I loved all of that stuff. I yeah. thought that, that was the great the greatest thing, and then and then it ultimately you know they powered down and you know everybody you know kind of picks themselves up by their bootstraps and they, be like, they basically yeah. figure out like, you know, um, you know, they all get back, you know, there's still arguments about like, you know, still, you know, you still screwed up and there's like nothing. And then she, you know, has that reflection. Scientists eventually figure out by the footage. It's like, Oh, like the roar must've affected something in the programming. Right. So right. We just need to like purge it. And, and then like, there's a the whole thing where Godzilla starts attacking again. And you know, they're like, we need to get like, we need to get this thing out there again. You know, we need to we need to get Mechagodzilla, we need to get Kiryu out there again. And the main leader, the kind of person who's put this team together, like goes off and like seeks out the prime minister and is like, I need your permission to right. do this. And then in the most like patriotic way, he like walks away, doesn't give his answer, and as he's walking away, he's like, You are good to go. It's greenlit. And then he turns around, Godspeed. Yes. <laughs> I knew he was gonna say Godspeed. Um, but then it but then it ends with like, all right, now everybody's fully on board, they know what to do, and then we are now it's truly Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla. And it's just it's just a fun, a fun fight. Yeah, fun fight. Again, yeah. it's like the best of what Mecha Godzilla is, where it's just so much firepower. Yeah. Like you don't know what's gonna do. Like there's a great where it's like, you know, they're like Godzilla's about to attack this hospital and they're like, we're not going to, Oh yeah, I forgot. That was amazing. We're not going to make it in time. It's like, you know, wait, trust me. She like turns on the boosters and like, drop me here. It's yeah. like, what? But you're not that close. Drop me here. Turns on the boosters. Like Godzilla basically flies across the city. Right. And right. shoulder barges Godzilla out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as if it's, it's like, like one of like a fighting game character move where it's right. just like the shoulder barge aspect. And at one point, uh, yeah, uh, uh Kiryu uh, stabs Godzilla with an electric knife, (laughs) which was awesome. To which Godzilla breaks it off and then like flings it over his shoulder. I did really want Godzilla to start stabbing Godzilla (laughs) with the knife, but but basically because there's there is a shot of Godzilla just holding a knife and you're like, what the hell is going on? And then Godzilla tosses it. Yeah, you're like, like, where is this gonna go? Yeah. Oh my god. But But then like you know Godzilla has beam stuff and like I I, like this movie like does the beam eventually dissipate because it goes off for a while. Right. Uh, And that was by the way that was awesome earlier in that scene when he was just like because there's also you get a lot of great. Godzilla destroying cities and military in this movie yeah. too. So this this movie in many ways is the best of like a lot of things that you like about Godzilla. But like when he's like shooting the planes out of the air, I yeah. thought that was awesome. At one point, 
he oh yeah, there's the oh one, my god, remember a, he catches a jet in his mouth at one point. That was awesome. Yeah. No, but it's like what's that that shot of him destroying because it's a wide shot of him like you just see him in the background. He's just like he has his atomic breath up in the air. And right, it's just like you see these planes just explode, and it's just like holy shit, this is a monster. And and, and what the first time ever I think in a Mecha Godzilla fight that they really make it seem like either of these people, either of these creatures could win, mm-hmm. and because and then they found like clever ways to be like oh and like oh but now Godzilla got the upper hand, but it's like oh now Kiru like uh you know he got the upper hand and like Akane like piloted it the right way, right? Because so again, like all that fight was really what fun. eventually happens is that like yeah like I mean Godzilla essentially is winning the fight and he eventually takes, yeah eventually, mm-hmm. like they take it out and then. Uh, they realize, like, or she realizes that, like, well, I'm gonna have to pilot this manually. I have to get in there, like, and use the emergency hatch and do that. And then she eventually gets there. And again, it just presents itself as a heroic moment, right? And and it's also like, and this is like where it's it's a nice little cute kind of like bringing it all full circle, but. Um, she uh gets desperate and she's in like uh, the Mecha Godzilla. She's in Kiryu, and uh the implication being is that she gives one final yell to Kiryu to wake up, and they don't specifically tell you, but there is a slight implication that because oh because they um I they in they introduce a little bit more human DNA I believe into yes. Kiryu this time around, so the Godzilla. Uh, side won't wake up um, this time around but I think the implication being is that she yells out and then that's kind of what wakes up Kiryu a little bit Um, and at least like kind of spiritually they go for uh, or uh, a little bit stylistically, they go for that theme. So I thought that was like a nice way of bringing yeah. it full circle. That um, uh, and so that I, th- I thought that was a nice touch, definitely. And then even that last moment, that that kind of there's a that little bit of battle where she's powering up her her absolute zero cannon. Yes. And then she basically like rushes up to Godzilla. Yeah. And like they like fall into the sea. Yeah. Well, don't forget the best moment when uh he clamps uh, uh Kiryu clamps his uh, mouth shut. Oh yeah, 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 that, yeah, was yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah that was awesome. That was like Godzilla's about to roar, and then it's literally just like shush. <laughs> yeah, it's just like he takes his hand and just like holds his mouth down, which was yeah. which I need a gif of. I need yeah. a gif of that. Um, but basically, but it's also just because um, then like the brother character or the brother whose brother died, basically is like I'll distract Godzilla so you have time to kind of power up, right? And, and then that's when Godzilla has the plane in the mouth, and, yeah. and she's like, I've got to, yeah, you know, I got to save him because I can't let two brothers die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like yeah. Uh, there was actually a couple things about the end of the movie I really liked. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did like. I had been like you know mixed about like how all these movies are basically like the you know Godzilla just survives another day. It worked really well in two thousand, mm-hmm. but then like in these other movies, it kind of is like well, Mega Gears. Like what even happened in that one? Like, right, that it's one like oh they put dumb. him in the alternate dimension, but then the post credit scene is like ah, and then you know obviously in GMK it's like his heart's still beating. Okay, yeah. um, <laughs> but this one I really did like because the idea is like so they had the absolute zero cannon. They both fall into the ocean, big explosion of ice. Uh, Godzilla is the first one to appear up, but his his chest is all scarred. Yeah, it was like almost like open, yes. like it's a and big chunk was he taken. He basically out of him. like walks up and then eventually uh, Mechagodzilla, Kiryu, 
comes up as well, and it's sort of like again, there's a stalemate, but we did win this day. Right. Yeah. And I feel like it was just a little bit more earned. Yeah. Than some of those well, ones. what's great about it is like it's the first time that Godzilla is legitimately driven off. Like yeah. you like, and again, it comes down to that expression that Godzilla has, like when it's like it truly looks defeated. Like mm-hmm. so, even though it, it lives to see another day, the other times it's either like, all right, I'm out of here, but this time it's like, okay, no, 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 I'm going, I'm yeah. going. And, and I thought that was a good touch. I also like that. I, I, I thought it was brilliant to end a, in a tie. There, there was, yes. It was it was good. Yeah. I also like there was a little moment with Sarah where she's still like yes. sad. Yeah, because so that adds to the whole why I think the tie is brilliant and then there's a little moment with her that I like because there's still this kind of like despite the victory there's still kind of like this melancholy open-endedness yeah. because the notion of it what's so brilliant about it being a tie and honestly the machine and the beast being damaged is that like you know, none of this is like, all right, we 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 solved the problem. Like, and I think that this movie, in many ways, took a very mature uh, route by being like, well, the problem isn't solved. Like, we won, but winning doesn't mean like a problem is permanently solved. Right. And I thought like that. Obviously, like you have the young, which I'm always fascinated when kids are in these movies because I think that they really represent like another generation. Yeah, when they're and, when they're in the movie. Right, and the fact that the kid and is, they're not. Ichiro. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, you know, he he did represent the n- next generation. He represented like he's gonna be the next generation of assholes. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah. But with this one, it's interesting that it ends and the movie is very victorious at the end. But the kid still is kind of like eh, well, yeah, cause, like cause still again, still a little forlorn. Well, my thing is that because it's earlier in the movie, like cause she's the one that brings up well. Like after the whole, you know, Mechagodzilla has its own, you know, seems like it has its, it goes off on its own. It's right. wild. She has this whole thing where it's like, well, you know, it, it is it's a creature, isn't it? Didn't we, didn't we just create like this creature? Shouldn't it make its own decisions? And, right. And then she's like, so like, well, why can't why can't they be friends? Like, it seemed like Mechagodzilla just wanted to be friends with Godzilla. And I think that sadness, which I don't know, that's a little that's a little, a little much. Na- that's a little naive on her part. <laughs> yes, but you know, but I also think at the end when she's that sadness, I think it's just her like again that maturity and that realization. Well, that's like that's just you know that is idealistic, right? Is, yeah, you know, despite the fact that we won mm-hmm. and the fact that we didn't get destroyed, this isn't over and it's never going to be over, right? With yeah, all, with all the mistakes that we've made, and it kind of feeds into like the other like again that joke about. You know, the other kids ignoring, like, you know, we... we it's, no, that's what, yeah. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it, it all kind of fits together yeah. within this world of just, like, we're not, like, we're not just going to fix the issues of this planet with technology. Mm-hmm. That it is going to come down to us learning to live uh, with the planet. Right, and yeah. And learning, you know, the, way, the other ways in which we can, you know, you know... Um, kind of fix the issues it's not gonna there's no quick fix right that's really what it is is that the absolute zero canon it's that quick fix that eventually backfires on them initially yeah uh and also because there's also no moment in the in that third act fight where like she starts boosting up that that a cannon and then godzilla flips over kiru yeah yeah and it like shoots off and destroys just three buildings right, out of right. nowhere and i do think that sadness of the child is basically like this isn't this this isn't that easy it's interesting for a movie that ultimately it's like its main point it's pretty obvious i'm not saying like it's like you know this is a big reinvention of the wheel 
But I always I always say that there is beauty and simplicity because then you can hide a lot of other nuances in your story way easier when you're simpler with your story. And I felt like there were so many aspects like what you're saying with that, what I was saying with like the the press seeing the uh, uh, the Kiryu direct earlier in the movie when they're when they're seeing the presentation. There's just a lot of those like unspoken show don't tell moments of these implications that you that lead you thinking about it and that enrich the world even though that the movie may not act upon them that much so for a movie that i think is like you know pretty still streamlined and pretty obvious what its main point is there's a lot of like in, in like very rich stuff underneath the surface yeah, yeah. um what were you going to say? I was going to the one thing I was going to mention is the baseball player. Right? Oh, oh yeah, well I was going to the the last thing I was going to mention was a few more cameos and yeah. that was going to be one of them. Yeah. So yeah, so we get we do get uh, a couple cameos and one of them was uh I think the first time ever uh, that you, other than the mention of Mr. Spielberg in yeah. the in Ghidorah, yeah. uh, th- this was somebody that you actually uh, knew right off the bat. Yeah. So the there's a there's a scene uh, where there's a baseball player at like a baseball camp with kids. At, at during like the first like when Mechagodzilla is first being you know flown to Godzilla, and he's basically like just this guy who's like okay kids we got to get out of here like he hits a home right he's just like he hits a home run right at Mechagodzilla and he's like oh crap we got to get out of here kids, uh, that is baseball player Hideki Matsui, mm-hmm. um, uh, who actually within this is two thousand and two. Uh, within 2003, he would sign with the Yankees in that kind of big post Ichiro, like, you know, Japanese players really coming to America because uh, baseball is still very big in Japan. Mm, right. Uh, but the main reason that he has a cameo in this movie, or the, or the cameo is kind of funny, mm-hmm. is that his nickname in Japan is Godzilla. <laughs> that his, He's, like, known as Godzilla. That I didn't know. I didn't know that it was uh, that he was a, a famous baseball player, yeah, but, but I he, did not he know was that. known yeah. as Godzilla because he was a big home run hitter. That's so funny. Uh, but he eventually would play for... The, he would have a really great American career. He would, he would play for, like, a decade with the Yankees and played a couple years with the uh, Anaheim Angels, so... Um, but I kind of knew, I kind of recognized him from my my big baseball days in my in my youth. Because 2003, like when he signed with the Yankees, was like peak Nick baseball. That's mm-hmm. when I was most in the baseball. Um, one of the other uh, cameos that we did have in this movie was right at the top with uh, Takahiro Murata. Uh, there is a man as the uh, tanks are uh, rolling by. Uh, there's like a man picking up cans at one point. I don't know if you remember yeah. right at the beginning. Uh, that is uh, a reoccurring star in uh, many of the Godzilla movies in small bit roles to medium-sized roles to lead roles as he was the lead our lead character in Godzilla 2000. He, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so he, so he appears. Uh, he appeared in this in, in that role. Um, and uh, I'm trying to see, look at my notes and see if there's anything else. Oh, uh, one thing I did like is that while I will always miss it, I think this time around the mis- the score by Mashiro Oshima. Uh, really played. I yeah, thought, like, I like this the, time I did around. Like the, I did like the main theme, yeah. and I think this is the first time like that in the Millennium series that I think that going a completely different direction really paid off. Yeah, and I felt like that the type of movie this was. I just felt like the score really came into its own and created an identity for this movie. Indeed, indeed, it did feel. It did feel like. It, it honestly did feel kind of more of like that kind of middle period, like if a Kube where he was, you know, he was just kind of experimenting right. with where he wanted to go with like the thematics. But it was good because I, I sat through the whole movie and I didn't miss 
the uh, the, the, march. the the march until we watched an erroneously placed uh, trailer oh, yeah. on the Blu-ray. So we go on the Blu-ray and we go into the special features, and the special features are very minimal for these like the Blu-rays. in these ones, yeah, because we have obviously this Criterion collection, right? For the show right. Arrow, which hopefully we'll have more. But a lot of these like Millennium and Hasty era films, like the only bonus feature is like the original trailer for the movie, and then maybe like another like you know, Miramax creature feature that, that will get released. Right, yeah, right. Or whatever it may be. But this one was like, oh, the trailer for Godzilla and Me- versus Mechagodzilla. Uh, uh, against Mechagodzilla. Against Mechagodzilla. Because it says, all it says, you go to, it's on the blue on the Blu-ray for Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, or against Mechagodzilla. You go to the bonus features and it says original trailer. Yeah. And you're thinking like, oh, it must be the original trailer for Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Well, well, what trailer plays? It is, the, it is the trailer for Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla Two, the Hasey film, which I thought it was going to be like a because when it started, I'm like, oh, they're going through like maybe the trailer for Against Mecha Godzilla went through the history of like it was like you remember him from the '90s. Now it's 2002, and it's and he's back. Like, but nope, they just. Some person who was in charge of putting together this Blu-ray just did not give a shit, and then they, they did just not care. They're like. <laughs> They like pulled the. They just like they looked at the files in the computer. Was like this one says Mechagodzilla. Just throw it. Yeah, out. that that's a, that's a little bit. Unfortunate. It was really funny though, because I was kind of like, wait, because like, I kind of was like, because I was more so like, oh yeah, Mechagodzilla too. I saw because in the in the Toho booth they were playing all the trailers for right, the movie, right, so I right. saw this trailer, and then I was like, then it kind of hit me. It's like, wait, why are we watching this trailer? Like all of a sudden, then it went back to the menu. Like, wait, did they put the wrong trailer yeah, on this Blu-ray? And they, they did. did. All right, uh, let's wrap up. Um, Nick, uh, closing thoughts on the movie. Um, this I'm gotta take a look. This might have been talked into my top five. I think like talking about this one and thinking about the thematics and the depth, like it really easily might be putting two Mechagodzilla films in my top five. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, no, this is definitely, this has always been a top 10 for me. And I think it's yeah. one of the best thing, like one of the best like human uh, storylines in it. And I think the monster stuff is in there. I think that may- maybe the only thing that I-, I knock it a little, a little bit down for is that um, I think uh, th- like some of those pacing stuff, like there's like one or two maybe misplaced kind of scenes that like kind of like because it's like the pace of the movie works really well but so when the pacing kind of like goes off the rails a little bit it's a little bit noticeable Mm. uh to me um and um that 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 would be my only thing i would have to i'm just very confident where it is at in the top 10 but i absolutely love love this movie and i think that it's a movie that has just gotten better with uh watching it over again and uh and discussing it um I go back and forth on the Yahara character. Yeah. Um, I think he's fun. Um, and I think that one of the character, one of the things that make him work is that he still does his job and he's not a complete buffoon or like a jerk or a creepy idiot. Um, he he kind of tends to like go into the creepiness a little bit, but like, I think that they, they kind of portray him as like more of like a lovable cartoon character. Yeah, kind of like, like a kind of a goofball. Yeah, yeah. More than anything But they do, they do save him because it's like when it comes to actually doing his Godzilla job, like he's dedicated and and he does it. Yeah, he has a good relationship with his daughter. Yeah, and I, and I think, yeah. 
I think he he he's a wor- worthy character. Uh, there there there's at times I wish that the Mecha Godzilla like was a little bit more a little bit more active, kind of like more a little bit more reminiscent of the the original Mecha Godzilla, which was doing poses and stuff. Yeah. I get that it's like a robot, but like and again I I'm splitting hairs here. These these are real nitpicks yeah. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately uh, Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla is easily uh the best of the millennium series top 10 absolutely loved it and love talking about it um and everybody should go check it out this is actually one of the uh, godzilla movies that i say if you want to check out a godzilla movie and you're not yeah. necessarily like into a godzilla you have that kind of barrier with them i actually think this one is a good go-to honestly like if i went back like this would be a movie i would put into consideration in in my little like uh our fourth of july episode yeah i, I honestly would like kind of go back and kind of I, don't, I think i would keep the ones i have but this would this would have been an option yeah no that 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 was uh that was one and i think the only reason i didn't was because i was trying to do the i didn't want all the films to be like he's a villain yeah, like uh yeah. so and that yeah, was no. like the only thing yeah. uh so absolutely great um all right so let's g- quickly go down the post release of the film so uh the movie comes out and while not reaching the same success of gmk um it against mega godzilla was still a very successful film for toho and it took its spot as the second highest grossing uh film in the millennium series Mm -hmm. um so the film gained a following as easily one of the most favorable entries in the millennium series if not the best of the bunch for many people um and while many have acknowledged and i think been a little bit more critical of its less uh risky streamlined back to basics nature um everybody does agree that it does deliver on being just a solid uh godzilla kaiju movie with really good human characters and a focus on them uh not normally seen in some of these more recent entries yeah, i mean um, you just yeah. you need those movies i think people who are always looking for risk i just think are never gonna yeah be, i never mean gonna it, be satisfied. It, it, it's uh i think it, it's funny um uh Film uh film writer and Twitter user Scott Weinberg uh that's I'm saying his name right Scott yeah. Weinberg yeah he uh I think he said this on the It Follows commentary where he does said that quote unquote originality is overrated in terms of like how people talk about it uh because yeah like is it is this movie reinventing the wheel no but it's much better than a lot of the other movies that quote unquote has taken its risk and yeah, I mean, it's I've like, had the hot take recently that people who say that they want like their risky movies that don't work are that's bullshit because ultimately when people say that like oh i want like a i want a risky movie that doesn't work usually means that you know you do end up liking the movie because you either like the movie or you don't you know what i mean if it's a risky movie and it doesn't pay off you're not going to you're not going to appreciate it later down the line. You're just not going to like the movie. Like if you do appreciate it, then you like the movie. Does that make sense? So, but with this, I think that it is streamlined and it's very, uh, it is back to basics, but I think it just sings in, in, in many ways. And in many ways, I think more nuanced and creative ways than I think. And then to be fair, I think GMK gets close. I think that's just a case of like, it just doesn't come together as a movie uh, that well for us. So I don't want to take away the actual creative risk because that's the example that I think of risks that are a little bit more valuable, even Mm -hmm. though I, you know, it's come on the side of the movie where it's like, eh, but, um, uh, it is, uh, I do agree with the positive reception that it, it just all works. It works. I think it's good. Yeah. Um, and then, um, the last thing I will say is that, well, the last thing we really should say is who Harrison Ford is in the movie. I have two ideas. Okay. I have two ideas. 
One is that he's like the one guy who's like really upset at the blackout in Tokyo. Like he's just like he didn't evacuate. He's like he he has something to do that night, right? And they're like trying to power up, you know, this Kiryu, and he's like sitting at home. He's like, "God damn it, this power outage really makes me upset." Was he taking like a vacation into Japan? Yes, and he's yeah. like, "Oh no, <laughs> this yeah. is my one weekend." Uh, my other one is that it's another him as Jack Ryan scenario, yeah. where James Earl Jones tasks him with finding out information on Mecha Godzilla. Like in like you know in like Red October where you know so it's the hunt for Mecha Godzilla yeah yeah <laughs> essentially oh my god wouldn't that be like an amazing movie where yes. like it's like the same exact movie but instead of a submarine it's like a a, a, a mech a mech yeah that and, would actually be an awesome idea yeah but basically like James Earl Jones like what do you know about Mecha Godzilla well we know the Japanese have been working on it there's some information well you got a kind of presentation with the president today. <laughs> So tell me what you know. I like both of those ideas. I do have one idea that I think I think should be taken into real consideration. Yeah. I think that when they do the Kiryu Direct and they're showing it to the press and there's that one lady that's like, w- look what it did, and everybody's freaking out. And then one guy gets up and he says, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> When he's like, when they show the bones, yeah. or it's like either that, or he like he's in the press like with the scientists and everything, yeah. and it's like he's like, all right, we have uh, the <laughs> remnants of Godzilla, uh, Doctor Yurahara. What do you think? It's like, well, we may be able to get the 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 DNA out. Hmm. Doctor Jones, what do you think? That belongs in a museum. <laughs> that works a little bit better than your previous one. Um. So anyway. Um, so that uh, marks – oh, and but the last thing I was going to say is that the reception of this film was so favorable and the success of it monetarily was also very favorable that Toho decided to, for the first time in the Millennium Series to go against its Millennium-era rule and finally make its first direct sequel to one of its entries in the Millennium Series. And Nick, we will come back to that next month as we talk about the sequel to Godzilla against Mechagodzilla and to what many fans consider the Kiryu saga in Godzilla Tokyo SOS. See, that's also a good title. (laughs) That's a title. Um, but next time, next time on our main timeline is not a Godzilla movie. It's uh, into our Bond adjacent era of the Bond side of things. And again, we're going to continue on talking about children's fantasy uh, while also talking about the very gruesome and interesting spy career of Ian Fleming. So it'll be a very interesting juxtaposition. Um, I'm very excited to get a new Guy Hamilton feature. Mr. Guy Hamilton. Uh, an early favorite. Um, person of the uh, uh, director in terms of sort of his personality um, I don't think he's going to be pushing for the word pussy in this movie <laughs> but I will be interested to see how he kind of brings uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang together which is our next movie awesome awesome alright well until then we're done I'm done you're done let's plug away alright bonzilapod at gmail.com Twitter.com slash Bonzilla007, Facebook.com slash Bonzilla007. Like and subscribe and iTunes and SoundCloud.com slash Bonzilla007. All right, Nick. Well, this time you won't have to wait that long for Mechagodzilla. There's more on the way. I'm excited. Take care, everybody. (laughs) That was a very lame excitement.